impact. What does that mean? So in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Scripture says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So we started this class called Impact with our teens with this idea that even if it's just a little at a time and it's just a little bit of consistency over time it's going to compound and create something huge there's a poet who says that the drops of rain make a hole in the stone not by violence but by oft falling that's what we want to teach our teens is that you can have a huge impact even if it's just a little at a time Hey guys, welcome to part 2.3 of our No Truth series. This one is titled Scripture. Is Scripture a material form of God's special revelation? The special revelation of God comes to us in and through the Bible. There we learn about and meet Jesus Christ. It is the basis and norm for all Christian preaching and teaching and therefore can be described as the material form of God's special revelation. But what does this mean? Well, we can draw four ideas from this concept of Scripture being the material form of God's special revelation. Number one, God's spoken to us on our level. Condescension means voluntary descent from one's rank or dignity in relation with an inferior. Our knowledge of God arises from His condescension in communicating with us. Like an adult talking to a tiny child, God adjusts His language and expression to our capacity. Think of a doctor explaining the human body to a class of first graders. His mind, great in knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, communicates on their level to offer a measure of understanding about the human body that they can grasp. And then number two, God has verbally revealed Himself. So let's look at God as the creator. What does his creation tell us about him? Is it possible God has verbally revealed himself to man? Psalms 94 9 says, He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? It is clear if God having formed the ear implies he has the ability to hear and his making the eye that he has the ability to see, surely his creation of the mouth implies his ability to speak whenever he wishes. Number three, God uses analogy to make himself known to man. So analogy is when a type of something is used to explain a different type of something. God chooses to use elements within our experience and language which can serve as real, meaningful analogies of the truth of his own experience and self-expression. This also speaks to how much he knows us. He makes contact with us in a way his experience is reflected within ours. The material form of his of this self-expression is the scriptures. And number four, and equally as important as the other three, this has its limits. So although the scriptures are true of God, they do not fully reflect his truth. Just like we bear human limitations, the language of the Bible is human. Not all of God's truth can be made known by it. In Deuteronomy 29 and 29, it says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. Right there, Moses writes that secret things belong to the Lord and then contrasts it with revealed things that belong to us. So there are things about God that cannot be known in this life. 
And then Isaiah chapter 55, 8 through 11 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bear and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So what are the grounds for taking the Bible as God's written word? Well... Number one, Jesus saw divine authority in the Old Testament scriptures. So Mark chapter 7 verses 9 through 13. He was also saying to them, You are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or his mother, Whatever I have that would help you is Corban, that is to say, given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and do many things such as that. Here Jesus quotes Moses from the Old Testament and says that it is the word of God. And the contemporary Jewish leaders seek to invalidate the word of God by causing their traditions to usurp it. And Jesus is speaking to this issue, calling Moses' words the word of God. John chapter 10, verse 34 through 35, Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Here, Jesus is also speaking to the Jewish leaders and makes reference to the Old Testament scriptures and claims that the scriptures cannot be broken. Mark twelve thirty six. David himself said in the Holy Spirit, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. Here, Jesus makes claim of divine inspiration to the words of David in the Old Testament. He said, David himself said in the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 24, verse 25 through 27. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them that the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And then verse 44 says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Notice what Jesus references here. The Old Testament scriptures, but not simply that. He specifies their divisions. He is in accordance with the main divisions in the Jewish text, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And he makes the claim that he is the fulfillment of the words of the Old Testament. Mark 7, 6, And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. Right here, Jesus affirms Old Testament prophecy. Notice his words, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy. Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet, and Jesus affirms the prophecy Isaiah sends forth. 
Luke chapter 22, verse 37, For I tell you that this which is written must be fulfilled in me, and he was numbered with transgressors, for that which refers to me as its fulfillment. And then chapter 24, verse 46 says, And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. Here Jesus draws from Old Testament scripture concerning his messianic ministry. He appeals to them as the um, prophecy for his messianic ministry, and he is fulfilling them. Number two, the apostles used the Old Testament scriptures to authorize their teaching and presented the Christian faith as the fulfillment of those scriptures. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Then 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 12, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. In these two texts, uh, Peter and Paul are claiming that the Old Testament scriptures are for our benefit and instruction, and we must draw from them in order to understand God and his word. First Corinthians chapter four, verse six says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sake, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of of one against the other. Here Paul writes to the believers in Corinth and warns them not to exceed what is written. And in this text, he must be referencing the Old Testament scriptures because 1 Corinthians is one of the earliest written New Testament books in the New Testament. It predates the Gospels even. So when he warns the believers not to exceed what is written, he is appealing to the Old Testament scriptures. Number three, Jesus believed in the unique power and authority of his own words. John chapter 6 verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Here Jesus claims that his own words are spirit and life. John fifteen three says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And here, he makes the claim that his words bring cleansing to those who hear. Mark thirteen thirty one: heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In this text, Jesus claims that his words are everlasting. Matthew seven twenty four: therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And here... Jesus is claiming that those who hear his words are wise, and they will perform wise deeds. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Luke chapter 10, verse 7 says, Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Here in 1 Timothy, Paul is quoting two speakers from earlier scriptures. One, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, is from Moses in Deuteronomy. And second, the laborer is worthy of his wages, is from Jesus in Luke chapter 10. And he calls both of these texts, both of these quotes, scripture from Moses 
and words from Jesus. Both are scripture, according to Paul. Number four, the apostles attributed both the content and form of their message to God, the Holy Spirit. First Peter chapter one, verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Here, Peter is saying that the message that he's preaching, the gospel is preached by the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.13, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Acts 5.32, and we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Right here, the apostles are making the claim that they are speaking by the Holy Spirit. Their words are spoken and derived from the leading and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.37 If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. Here Paul writes to the believers in Corinth and says the things that he writes are the Lord's commandment. 2 Peter 3.16 as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. Here Peter references Paul's letters, and he makes the claim that they are, although hard to understand, they are scripture, and they are mishandled by those who are untaught and unstable, and those very same people mishandle the Old Testament scriptures as well. So here we have the Apostle Peter identifying Paul's letters as scripture and word of God. Number five, God himself addresses us in its words. So here, simply put, we find all throughout scripture that Jesus himself and God the Father are speaking to us with their own words, and it's noted in the material form of a special revelation scripture. Okay, so now that we've gone through part 2.3, scripture, um, we have two questions that we would like for you to answer. The first is, what do we learn from scripture being a material form of God's written word? And then number two is, what are the grounds for taking the Bible as God's written word?